You're listening to Informed, informal chats about theological topics to help us know and understand God together. Informed. Informed. Hi everyone, Simeon here. Welcome to Informed, uh, where today we're talking about uh, whether God suffers and what it means to talk about God's emotions. And I'm here with my wife, Emily. Hi, Emily. Hello. And with Matt Fell. Hello. We were at a, a conference on the doctrine of God last year, thinking about um, something which I'd never really thought about before, which is the whole idea of what theologians call the impassibility of God, which when you first hear it, it sounds pretty counterintuitive to our ears because it's the idea that God um, doesn't suffer in the way that we do, um, but we expect him to suffer because we, we look at the evil in the world around us and it causes us to suffer. And so we think, um, well, surely if it causes me to suffer and to grieve, it causes God to suffer and to grieve. Um, and, uh, you know, the Bible is full of language about God grieving, God, um, uh, God uh, regretting that he'd made man, God being angry, God being compassionate and tenderhearted. Um, uh, but what certainly what I learned last year was that um, uh, we have to be very careful when we think about exactly what we mean uh, by that kind of language. So, Matt, could you help us sort out um, how we should talk about God's emotions and whether he suffers? Yeah. OK, so this this idea that you mentioned of impassibility um, literally means that God is without passions. Um, now, when we say that, we don't mean that God is uh, God's lacking interests and hobbies. That's how we tend to use the word passion today. You know, I have a passion uh, for Mexican food. Um, you know, Emily has a passion for piano. Uh, that's that's not what the kind of older use of the word passion is getting at. In kind of older English, passions are those things that affect us and move us that we are not in control of. Um, so think about a passion being a kind of emotional state that arises and it's not, you know, you didn't intend it. It's just kind of come over you, you know, a, a fit of depression or anger or something like that. Um, and if you think about, you know, how we talk about Jesus's death as his passion, something he suffers, something that happens to him. Um, and so this idea that God is without passions ultimately means that nothing blindsides God. Nothing kind of comes out of out of nowhere and he doesn't see it coming and affects him in a way that he is not in control of himself. And the reason this is is the case is, is that he's the creator. You know, he's the one who makes all things. Everything depends upon him. He doesn't depend on anything else. Um, and so... Scripture uses all sorts of words to describe, you know, how God relates to creation, that he is compassionate, you know, that he's abounding in steadfast love. He's, you know, he also burns hot with anger in the face of certain sins. But when scripture uses that language, we have to understand that we're not just talking about a big version of us in the sky. Um, God and his kind of quote unquote response to things is different to ours, partly because you and I live in time and history. God doesn't. He's in eternity. Um, 
And so we, when we respond to something, it's a kind of, it's a spontaneous reaction. So it might be that, you know, I see something terrible in the world, an atrocity, and it elicits a compassion in me that wasn't there before. Mm. That's not the case with God. He doesn't need to see suffering in order to be compassionate. He is compassionate. That's his nature in an unchangeable manner. Let me, let me read you a quote from C.S. Lewis, because I think that's probably going to uh, be clearer than old Matt Fell's ramblings. Um, Lewis says this. The reason why God has no passions is that passions imply passivity and intermission. So passivity, you know, some things happen to you. Intermission, passage through time. And God is free of both of those things. Lewis goes on. The passion of love is something that happens to us like getting wet happens to a body. And God is exempt from that passion in the same sense that water is exempt from getting wet. He cannot be affected with love because he is love. God is love constantly to the max, unchangeably. He's the very definition of love and goodness and justice, which means that when there's sin, he stands against it in judgment. When there is sorrow, he relates to it in compassion and mercy. When there is a repentant sinner, he relates to them in abounding grace. He doesn't need those things to become what he is. He unchangeably is those things. Wow. So it sounds like a paradox, but by holding to the, the Christian doctrine that God doesn't suffer, um, we actually we actually affirm God's goodness and his love and his compassion and his kindness even more. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But that, that it's counterintuitive, isn't it, Emily? And you might expect that, you know, for someone going through great evil, they would want a God who's also experienced it. Yeah. So um, at this conference, Carl Truman had this really helpful um, illustration of somebody who's um, sort of got themselves in a river and suddenly they're going over a waterfall and they're crying out for help and he said what you don't want is somebody to jump in the river and fall down the waterfall with you they might be truly experiencing the, te the terror of that fall that they can't help you what you need is a branch or a hand coming out from the rock to grab onto that's something that is solid something that will hold you firm um, and yeah so that you can be caught out of that waterfall mm. and I, I just found that yeah really helpful and that yeah like god is our solid rock well are we we're able to grab onto him and absolutely sense. yeah we need a god who's different to us not a god who's yeah. just like us mm. yeah yeah which is which is not to say that God is uh, unfeeling, you know, insensitive, cold rock. Um, we tend we tend to make the mistake of either making God like us in our fickle emotions, mm. or we kind of fall off the horse the other way and make him kind of like a stone. <laughs> yeah. um, whereas what the Bible's getting at is that God, you know, is loving goodness to the full in a way that is you know uh, it's just un, un in, it's un hang on what's the word i'm trying to say 
it's, it's not hindered by anything. Yeah. Nor, nor does he have to be goaded into being loved by pain and suffering. Doesn't have to, you know, discover how to love. He is love. Yeah. Wow. So when we think about Jesus suffering on the cross, um, suffering that was very, very real on our behalf, um, we have to to sort of maintain the classic Christian position on on the impassibility of God. We have to be careful with how we talk about that, right? Because you've got um, the human nature of Jesus experiencing awful, excruciating suffering. Um, but the, the divine nature of Jesus isn't experiencing that. No, the divine nature is not experiencing that in terms of the divine nature isn't suffering. But we mustn't kind of split Jesus in two and kind of have his divinity floating above the mm. events of his life. The way that the kind of theologians throughout church history have, have talked about it is that Jesus takes human nature onto himself unites it with his divine nature in order that that divine nature might touch the suffering of this world and heal it and so at the cross the human nature of christ is suffering and the divine nature is is pouring into that suffering in order to heal it and to restore it um, so at the cross you know jesus experiences the fullness of human suffering you know injustice violence oppression betrayal isolation despair and the divine life is is reaching out to those things in order to redeem them to to, to save us who suffer from those things um and of course we see this in the resurrection you know um, church fathers you know the theologians from the first few centuries would kind of talk in raspides about how you know by his death he crushes death um and it's the divine nature kind of sh the light shining into the darkness of death and overcoming it brilliant well for much more on this listen to the full length podcast but for now it's goodbye from me and goodbye from me is that what I'm meant to say? <laughs> and goodbye from me. <laughs>